We don't normally trash guests to guests. We keep that <laughs> right here. But Heather's just letting it all fly. Of the two, I, I just... You're allowed to have favorites. Yeah. I'm hoping to crack top 15. <laughs> well, it's episode 12, so... <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of Foul Mouse Podcast. This is Scott, filling in for your regularly scheduled host, Sean, who came down with a nasty case of the croup and was up for two days straight barking like a seal, so now he sounds like this, and he couldn't record the introduction. Ah! So now it's my pleasure to introduce this episode with fishing and pishing gull-spotting expert Nick Bonomo. When he's not mending the broken, he's searching swamps at midnight, finding us the rarities that would otherwise go unnoticed. He's got a penchant for punishing himself, owling at all hours, and combing the world for the super rares. So if you've ever wondered why that herring gull was a little darker than the rest, or if that distant, naked man is touching his no-nos, you're in the right spot. So put your binoculars down and get ready to get very, very inappropriate with writer, guide, and bone breaker, Nick Bonomo. Sean, do you want to lean over and just like artfully turn the volume down? Yeah, just very slowly. That's the mood. I like the uh, yeah. crackling from the dirty pots. Oh, very authentic. This is very much my aesthetic right there. Is that what you meant by artfully? Yes. Wow, that was foul. Why did it do that? That was amazing. I sort of did appreciate the uh, classical music, however. I enjoyed it. Got me in the mood. Mm -hmm. To talk birds. Um, That that too. Tequila got me in the mood. Oh, snap. (laughs) Can you sound out your last name so we don't fuck it up? Uh, uh, Bonomo. Bonomo. I've been doing it right for a long time. This is good. Bonomo. Bonomo. I get that a lot too. (laughs) Yeah. Bonomo. Like Kokomo? Well, I won't. I won't just uh, try to. What did I try to rhyming scheme with um, Audrey's name? For <laughs> oh, I thought that raging Courageous. Well. Yeah, that's how I remembered it. That was actually probably. The, I listened to three or four or five of your shows, and that's probably the one that I. It's like my she favorite, did. and it yeah. wasn't even a bird one. Well, that's well, exactly what no, we're thinking of doing is getting awesome. more people that aren't birders that oh. are like related to birding. Bird yeah. Yeah. I have to go back back and listen to that one because I think birders don't don't want to listen to just birders. Turns out, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Nick fucking Bonomo. Welcome to Foul Mouth. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for having me. You know, I've I've wanted to be on this once you got well. Once you established yourselves Mm -hmm. as. America's number one <laughs> donkey weed podcast. Yes. Yeah, there it is. That's it. <laughs> We're Reporting the invasive on donkey species. weed incursions uh, yeah. near you. The Japanese not weed of birding podcast, Foul Mouse. <laughs> invasive. Yeah. <laughs> That's us. Oh, man. Thanks for coming on the fucking show. You Glad know the fucking, here. you know the drill. Swear. I do. Swear you, as you like. You may free, be. but you are not compelled to swear if it's gonna get Shouldn't you be a problem kicked if, off if, any trips yeah <laughs> don't do it if you have friends and family that have delicate sensibilities what do you have seven listeners i think i'm safe yes <laughs> oh, i think that's with the joke that's like a well, factor of two more than the actual total number that was generous thank you <laughs> you're already on the show you don't have to butter us up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right 
Let's jump in. Yeah, let's do it. Wow. So, uh, so you're a fisherman. You're, you're a fisherman. I fish. <laughs> what do you fish Not for? very well. Tell us more. We want to know about it. Uh, I started fishing probably before I started birding, which was back to before I was a teenager. Um, I grew up uh, coastal Connecticut, grew up in Bridgeport. Oh, I'm Woo! sorry. Um, I know. I got out. <laughs> I made it out. Brutal. Uh, grandfather had a little boat. Um, parents had a little boat growing up. Dinghy? Um, not bigger than that. All right. Uh, enough, <laughs> enough to get out on the sound and uh, sort of took off from there. My brother got really into the fishing. Mm. Um, he's a super big fisherman today. But well, uh, it, I mean, it's part of the culture, right? You're just... Can, can you escape it? Were you on a boat as a as a kid a lot, Sean? I think I might have been actually. Yeah, yeah. At least in high school for a little while there, spent some time on a boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it sort of opens up a different world to, to to you. I think that if you're not exposed to boating at a young age, it's sort of like a foreign thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of wonder if I didn't develop that as a kid, if I wasn't introduced to it by my parents, then you know I probably wouldn't have gotten into it as an adult. But Just, I some... guess odds are right. Yeah, I mean there's something awesome about boats though because it gives you access to something that otherwise is inaccessible and the first time i was on a boat when i was probably ooh, i don't know eight and it's like you get on a boat and it's like the engine kicks in and you you're back in your seat and you're out on the water and it's like this is the greatest thing that's ever happened we got to get a boat and the parents are like there's (laughs) no we're not getting a boat there's no water that's right. a horrible investment. B O A T breaks break out another thousand. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there are like, like the river people though, like where <laughs> the, I'm from. That's the river people. The river people, river people are, are different, right, Heather? <laughs> well, well, you have lake people. lake trash. <laughs> Heather has lake lake <laughs> trash. We have river people. Um, it's funny though, because I again, growing up on salt water, mm-hmm. you know, I. I will not even consider a lake, even a great lake, anything close to being on salt it's water. Just, it's a puddle. Ooh, kind of a, fired I am kind of a shade. snob about it. Those Come great lake pelagic people are fucking cringing right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Come at us, Lake Ontarians. Right? <laughs> I've seen What do you lake. got? Yeah, it doesn't lake. even smell like water. It's not a well, real it does, tide. That, it, it smells, doesn't... and that's the problem. Oh. <laughs> Dang. I think it's just taking everyone down. And that river goes the wrong way, right? Genesee, oh, does it? yeah, flows flows north. Bastard, like the Nile, just can't be trusted. <laughs> Nobody can be trusted that flows north. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what that fucking means. I'm sorry. This is a weird a one already. We are yeah. starting off great. Yeah, but anyway, to to I guess answer your question a little <laughs> appropriately, um, it's it's a being on the water. It's kind of a it's a fun thing having a, a little boat. Is I have a little twenty foot center console that's good enough for long island sound um and it's kind of a fun toy you get out you get to see birds in different places that you wouldn't have access to otherwise um you know you can do the fishing thing you can combine the two and it's just kind of a fun kind of like a fun little way to enjoy the local waters you you mentioned you started fishing before birding so when did you start birding like you're you're relatively young relatively you're not the youngest not you you're younger than us so shut up. Barely, maybe. Well, maybe not. Heather's not. Heather, you're still a spring chicken. I just turned 36. I'm, Heather I'm just oh, very I'm younger. slowly. Heather yeah. just turned 26. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, keep <clears throat> telling people that. <laughs> <laughs> How did it start? Where did it start? My grandmother accidentally uh, introduced me to birding when I was about 
you know, like I said, 12 or 13. Um, Osprey was my spark bird. Oh. Um, yeah. She was babysitting me and my brother, who's three years younger. And she didn't know what to do with us um, on this day that she had us for the day. So she had read in the Milford paper uh, where she lived that Ospreys had returned to this one area called Gulf Pond uh, for the first time in decades. And she thought it might be a different thing for us to do to, to go down and, and check out the nest that was on the platform there. And we went down and this was probably, it probably would have been maybe May or June where they the pair was in and they were established, but there wasn't much going on. They were probably incubating at the time. Mm. Um, and I didn't really think much of it other than that. It was just, it was a different thing to do. And then she had us again later that summer. And she said, oh, why don't we go and see how the Osprey family is doing? I said, cool, whatever. So we went down and we actually ran into people who were there with scopes and binoculars. Mm -hmm. And there was young in the nest and uh, one of the one of the adults brought back fish and started feeding the young. And we and I got to see all of this sort of looking through the scope um, up close and personal. The platform was not very far from where we were observing and. And from there, I don't know. I, I just thought it was really cool. So the people who were there uh, sharing their scopes and binoculars, um, super nice, like most birders are, uh, basically said like, oh, well, if you think this is cool, then you should go check out the Audubon Center at Milford Point, which was about 10 minutes away and literally down the road from where my grandmother lived. Mm-hmm. So that was a great place to sort of be introduced to, to birds. It's one of the best birding spots in the state. Um, yeah, so long shot. Yeah. Right. So it must have been, it was that year either for my birthday or Christmas. I don't remember that I got a Peterson field guide mm-hmm. and, you know, $20 Tasco binoculars mm-hmm. um, and plastic uh, lenses. Just, yeah. And at that point, I, I dove right in. Wow. Yeah. And it awesome. was just me that got really hooked into it. My grandmother developed a little bit of an interest along with me. Hmm. And we kind of used that. That really helped strengthen our relationship. Hmm. Um, what what really, prompted her to bring you down there in the first place? Just something to do? She just, read it in the newspaper. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to say, there were not a lot of. No. Not a lot of Osprey around at that time, right. 20 some years ago. Yeah. That's so exactly what I was going to say. Continued yeah. to explode since then, obviously. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so it was news. It was news, right? That they were even there, um, where now you wouldn't even blink an eye that there's mm-hmm. an osprey pair building a, a nest on a platform. Yep. Um, so that's how it all got started, and then I, I was pretty self-directed for a couple years there, uh, and then I was lucky enough to just meet some really great mentors, um, people that when I was 14, 15, 16, took me out birding regularly. Mm. Um, obviously, I wasn't driving until I was almost 17. Um, my parents weren't into it. They were supportive, but it wasn't their thing. Yeah. Um, and I, my brother and I had lots of other interests as well, uh, typical kid stuff. So it wasn't like a prior, priority to go birding. Mm-hmm. So these other birders that I ended up meeting in the field and through the internet, the early, early stages of the internet back then, um, ended up kind of picking me up and taking me out birding. Like, I just heard your parents say, um, we don't approve of your life decisions, but we love you. <laughs> we love you, Nick. Yeah, no, they were always good with it. They've always been really mostly hands-off and supportive for yeah. really any decisions I've made in life, which I kind of appreciate being able to have the freedom to make my own own calls. I imagine birding MySpace when he's talking about the internet mm. back then. Look at chat room. Yeah. Oh, God. 
AOL.com. I've never yeah. thought about that, and now I'm never not going to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> Burning MySpace. Right? <laughs> it what? I remember AOL. I wasn't really much of a MySpace guy, but mm-hmm. I know that it was for a few years there, it was like the thing. It oh. was the early social media, right? Yeah. yeah. You, you didn't have like a, your hair swept in your eyes with your um, blacked out binoculars around your I neck. I didn't. I wasn't emo birder. That's, hmm. Oh, no. that is so no. cute. Yeah, like taking back Sunday shirts. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I was more of a brand new fan. Okay. Oh, mm. Wow. There, that's another did one. Shots fired. <laughs> I, I just lose some. Much. I just lose some respect in the room. That's cute. Uh, <laughs> maybe from the long, maybe from some of the Long Island. Birders. I was a metal uh-huh. chick, so right. it's just adorable to think of like emo birder. I was in conservatory at the time. <laughs> you were. Uh, but I mean, it was funny. I would be just out out playing soccer. I, I played sports when I was a kid, and I'd be out in the soccer field and running around, and it would be like a late fall day and there'd be a northwest wind and it would be just i knew it was a great day for hawk migration and i would be out on the soccer field just kind of looking up and like my coach i remember not being really happy about mm-hmm. that like, pay attention nick pay attention <laughs> no concussions out of that one no <laughs> quick strike to the side of that what <laughs> is a zone-tailed hawk <laughs> <laughs> so uh i'm just gonna dig a little bit deeper um so before you you caught the birding bug were you would you consider yourself like a sort of you know, kid naturalist, like you're into bugs, you're into outdoors, you're into that sort of thing? Or was it just... No, I wasn't. Okay. And I and honestly, growing up in Bridgeport, it's tough to really yeah, get right. exposure say, to nature. He's from Bridgeport. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm sure <laughs> so, there's a part of Bridgeport that isn't what people think of when they think of Bridgeport. That's it's called Trumbull. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, not where I live, though. Okay. You lived um, under the smokestacks. Close. <laughs> close enough. <laughs> All right. Close enough. Um, we had a little, we had a little, I think, quarter acre lot and a little garden and a couple of fruit trees in the yard, which I think for Bridgeport was yeah. pretty, oh, pretty nice. awesome. Yeah, um, farmers, <laughs> so, yeah, right. <laughs> the weird hippies, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think that's what part of that sort of made me explode, like into the birding all at once and dive in mm-hmm. head first because it opened up this entirely new world for me that mm-hmm. I didn't even know it existed. Were you were you antisocial before birding? No. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm just asking because I'm just, trying to I'm fine. trying to find just parallels laughing. in this room. Yeah, no, it's big. It makes sense. I th- it's no. a it's cool. We've talked a, a lot about um like inner city like mm. kids and bringing like urban like like urban not even just kids, just anybody from like the, an urban center into nature and like showing them like all of that. So it's kind of a cool cool to hear like you went from like Bridgeport inner city to uh to like a gull gull expert and all of these other things so I, I think it actually is like a good tie it's nice he means seagull seagulls yeah. seagulls with a capital c mm. no nobody never mind i saw that tweet we'll figure that, that out joke. when we listen to the episode a couple of times <laughs> editing. um heather you had a really good question about fishes and birds yeah so i was cur- i was curious like um because i don't know anything about fish Really, um, have you noticed, or, or are you like attuned to the the patterns that fish and birds have, and do they share any, or if you know, do you, is, are there telltale signs of like you see some more fish come in, and oh, that's gonna bring X bird or, or anything like that, or anything? Yeah, so there's a pretty strong correlation. It it sort of all comes down to little bait fish, 
uh, you might have heard the term forage fish, mm -hmm. um, which are sometimes it's fully grown species like sand lance, aka sand eel, which are like a few inches long. They're really kind of small, thin fish. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of your stereotypical, you know, if you see a photo of a common tern with a little bait fish in its mouth oh. from the area, it probably is a sand sand lance. Okay. Mm. Um, Learning. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really, <laughs> uh, tons of things feed on sand lance mm. uh, from you know, mammals to birds. Yeah. Other, other fish, especially people in the filet fish sandwich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? McDonald's is yeah. single-handedly overfishing sand lance for their, That's it all disgusting. goes into the, it all goes into the fish blender. Sorry, turns <laughs> fish blender. Oh my God. Just imagine. Do they still do the filet fish? Like. Is that still a thing? I don't know. I think so. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the McRib is happening. So what? That's for the that's for the meat blender. <laughs> so so there's sand lances. Uh, yeah. So and also juvenile fish uh, that are larger species. Like there's another bait bait fish that when it's fully grown is about a foot long. It's called bunker or menhaden. Hmm. Menhaden is kind of the the widespread term, but bunker is sort of a local um, local term for it. And you know bluefish and striped bass, which are larger predatory species, feed on them when they're adults. But when they're younger. You know, this time of year, the uh, the young bunker, which we call peanut bunker because they're small, oh um, my God. would be just a few <laughs> inches long. And that's perfect bite size for terns and gulls and things like that. Mm -hmm. And also for the larger fish that you might be trying to catch. Um, so they sort of converge on that. So good fishing and good good birding often go together. Mm. When we do pelagic fishing mm. or pelagic birding, rather, um, you know, a good hundred miles offshore uh, we often charter these big fishing boats that are about 100-foot boats um, that take people out. And the captains will take us to places that have been good for fishing because they know that with the good fishing, mm -hmm. uh, right. you know, the fish are feeding on a lot of the same thing that the birds are feeding on. So when we go to find where the fish have been, we'll often find birds associated with them. So, yeah, there's a really strong correlation. Hmm. Uh, cool. Yeah, I figured, but I don't know literally anything about fish right yeah. yeah i wish i knew more i don't know a ton i know kind of the basics about catching certain species and I'm, I'm learning a bit but there's there are folks out there that know just fishermen that are really tuned into the science of it and it's pretty awesome jesus i know from the small mini pelagic that i got to do like where the where the whales go there are typically fish and where the whales are there's also tends to be pelagic birds seabirds and stuff like that but i didn't really i don't think i put together like the that it was actually like a good run of whatever whatever fish those things are feeding off of which is pretty fucking stupid of me to not put that together but that makes complete sense so. god damn it where'd you go while watching uh bar harbor uh, that's well the it, it was out of bar harbor right up to the Bay of Fundy and back, so it's yep. yep. good, good trip. Yeah, it, talked Sam, about that on our uh, one of our past episodes. If you'd mm -hmm. like to go back and listen to the catalog, send me the link. <laughs> Let's send you the link. We'll post the link in the show notes. Is mm -hmm. that a thing? Yeah, yeah do that. Yeah. Sweet, professional. Um, yeah, that was a cool trip. Uh, we got a couple of early whales and the first uh, first of the tube noses of the year and stuff like that. So. Be being out on the water is like a totally different world. It's super weird mm. not being able to, like you don't, there's no land in sight when you're mm. that far out. So you're just like, I don't know. There's something like both fucking frightening and 
like serene about it all at once. Like, well, I mean, I'm definitely going to die if the boat capsizes, so that's fine. I'm just going to enjoy it if it doesn't. That's my mentality. It's yeah. like, well, take me, fate. It's <laughs> Do really, what you will. It's really humbling to yeah. be out there. Yeah, it really is. It's like you're you're very, very small in a very, very big world. Mm. That's really cool. And then in northern Fulmer, like Fulmer th- flies over, and I forgot that I could die. Right. And you see these little six-inch Wilson storm petrels so that cool. just bred six months ago in yeah. the like subantarctic yeah. islands and mm. just flew halfway around the world basically. And they're these tiny little things in this mm. real super harsh just environment, surfing, mm-hmm. and they just they're just in their element. They're so cool. Yeah, that was a cool, really cool experience. It's amazing. Yeah, it was really cold though. So if you don't like being cold, don't go out there. It's not that cool. Heather will True. never. I go. know Scott like looks at me. Yeah, I'm. I feel like I I would just layer a lot. I would have probably like goggles on. Yeah. <laughs> Need to get her the the full like Arctic expi- expedition mm-hmm. suit, whatever that looks like. If you go down to Hatteras, North Carolina, the uh, Brian Pattison and Kate Sutherland run like the best pelagics on the East Coast, hmm. and the water's warm, mm-hmm. the air's warm, uh, Stream, right? It's only. It's only a two-hour ride to get out to the Gulf Stream, whereas here it's like five or six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and they're just day trips. You don't have to do a weekend excursion. There you go. Yeah. yeah. We just it's, have to cross the Mason-Dixon line. Yeah, you do. Well, you're talking about weekend excursions and pelagics. Let's just talk about it really fast. Mm-hmm. You found like the fucking bird of the year. That Bermuda petrel is pretty rad. A lot that of people, was super. Cool. A lot of people know about that. Talk. Can you like just talk about that for a second? Because there, are, I I guarantee that eighty percent of the at least of the people that will ever listen to this will never fucking see one or even know what one is. So, yeah. So, uh, Bermuda petrel is a uh, petrel of this uh, genus Pteradroma, which are these really agile, fast flying, uh, long winged uh, seabirds. Um, and Bermuda petrel was actually thought to be extinct for a good couple hundred years um, and was rediscovered uh, earlier in the 20th century, uh, found to have a handful of breeding pairs left hanging on to a couple of, you know, rocky islands just off the coast of this super developed island. Um, And since then, there have been pretty intense conservation efforts to get their numbers up. Yeah. Um, And now they're up to probably a whopping three to four hundred birds. Oh wow! Um, which is not a lot. No, um, no and they they roam the entire North Atlantic basically to go out and feed. Um, so the odds of running across one on a pelagic birding trip are really slim. And honestly, we just got really lucky. We were in the right place at the right time, and we found this feeding flock of birds um, near this little. There's a larger canyon at the edge of the continental shelf called Welker Canyon. And there's this smaller little canyon called Heel Tapper Canyon. Don't know who named that. A great name. And uh, we found this feeding flock of shearwaters, and this Bermuda petrel kind of popped into the flock. And we usually, when these things are seen, best case scenario is you see them, you know, for maybe thirty seconds, yeah, a minute or two. Just they they make a pass or two by the boat, and then they're poof, they're gone. Hmm. Um, and we actually had this bird for 40 minutes Oh my around gosh. the boat and, you know, seeing this is like, this, it's like the grail bird of mm. East coast pelagic birding. That's and just to crazy. have repeated views of this super cooperative seabird that was just, this species just like on the brink of extinction and would not let go, just would not give up. 
Um, and, uh, thanks to some human efforts to try to try to curb that. Yeah. Um, and now we have a good couple hundred room in the North Atlantic. It's pretty mm. nice. Humans mm. not destroying everything. Right. Mm. Uh, we, we destroying did. mostly and most then things, but humans trying to stop humans from destroying everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's probably more accurate. Mm. Sounds about right. And where where was this again? <laughs> this was off the coast of Massachusetts. Oh this wow! Would, the closest point of land was uh, would have been Nantucket. There, mm. huh. um, maybe about a mm, hundred miles southeast of Nantucket. Wow! At the edge of the continental shelf, where the uh, the underwater contour slopes from a few hundred feet down to you know over a mile. Wow! Oh wow! Um, which tends to concentrate lots of sea life out there. So that's why we were specifically in that area. The shelf does yeah the edge there huh right right where it drops off yeah um it's pretty cool you can pull it up actually in google earth and do like you know satellite view and just go out to you can see the underwater canyons there where yeah sort of congregate and there's all this ocean currents and and the slope caused this upwelling of nutrients towards the surface and that concentrates bait and which concentrates mammals and birds so it's just a really productive area that that's why we make the effort to go all the way out there hmm it's cool. I just remember yeah. looking at that at that like point, you know, when I look at Google Earth or any map, that just abyss. But mm. I just don't think of anything out there. Well, because it's like it's cold Atlantic water, <laughs> and you just general don't... aversion to that yeah. situation. <laughs> I'm just like obviously there's no nothing in there. All the sea life is, and that's not. It's just you know your assumption that you don't even think about. You're just like, oh, whatever. There's nothing out there. Yeah. But yeah. Well, it looks all the same to us. It all yeah. just looks like water. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. everything that's happening beneath the surface is happening there for a reason. And yeah, yeah. There's all these underwater structures that you don't appreciate. Right. Um, and that sort of helps concentrate things. And uh, you know, that's that's why we go there. Did you like? Did you know right off the bat? like what it was when it came into view did you not no did you blink a few times not exactly i so little knew that it was of this genus pterodroma and that it was not a black capped petrel right which is the one that's most likely to be out there but it has this really honking white patch at the base of the tail that looks like a giant sugar cube on the back end of the bird Mm. and you can't miss that and this bird didn't have that it actually had a smaller white patch than that so uh, my suspicions were very high that it was a Bermuda petrel, but there are a couple other possibilities out there that you kind of want to work through and eliminate before <laughs> right. you go. Before you yell Bermuda e- before petrel. Before you go yelling out Bermuda petrel. Um, so we once we saw the underside of the bird and could just put those puzzles together, then, yeah. It didn't take long to figure it out. Um, and everyone on board got great views. Mm. And it was just oh, amazing. That's what you hope for. Yeah. That's why you go yep. out on a boat a hundred fucking miles offshore and yeah. freeze your ass off. Oh, that's, that's, that's the hopes. So actually, about thirty of the forty minutes through that sighting, a uh, there was a, a group of Cornell students that came down from from Cornell, uh, at least maybe a dozen kids. Oh wow! And w- one young woman was either I think she might have been asleep, <laughs> so she comes sort of walking out. A half hour into this and we just assume everyone on the boat seen the bird and then it was a scramble to make sure that this woman mm. saw this bird mm. because if one person on that boat doesn't see one of the rarest seabirds in the world like you kind of feel like a failure especially mm-hmm. when it's around for 40 minutes so yeah. i don't know what she was doing she has some really shitty friends right right for like yeah, not right. going in and getting like hey <laughs> come out 
Like Fuck whatever yeah. you're doing, Grailbird here. It can wait. Yeah, remember the time we let Gretchen sleep through the fucking Bermuda yeah. Petrol? <laughs> that was sick. <laughs> Awful. Like kids Jesus these Christ. days. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So she saw it all as well. Okay. Oof. That would have been horrible. But it was mayhem when it was first when it was first spotted. Nobody everyone fell was over going absolutely crazy, and there were there was lots of cursing, and there was lots of hand high fiving and backslapping, laughing, backslapping, twirling, twirling. Shots. If only Sean was here, someone said. <laughs> He'll never see this bird. I'll oh, never, well. I will never see that bird. The I good s- news is you can go to Bermuda at the right time of year and see him from land. So. Yeah. Mm. Or just, I'll just get on the fucking uh, the, the webcam that they've got, the nesting webcam for those guys. Or like burrow nesters Does or something like that. Does that count for you, Sean? No, it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> Sean counts it. It doesn't count. They're burrow nesters, though. That's Second cool. hands account. I mean, he'll count like anything. Yeah. So. I was going to say, if someone else saw it, he counts Wow, it. I didn't. I haven't. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Sean's life list is bullshit. <laughs> Thanks, guys. No one speaking is. Um, of no lists, one's disputing Sean's life list. Just to be clear on that one. Speaking no, of lists, you're, do, you're doing a self-found list for Thanks. Connecticut. I am. Was yeah. that? Wait, I just want to back up for <clears throat> one second. Did you? Did you use me as a segue? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I this think string, stringy Sean was mentioned. Stringy <laughs> Sean. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Segways. Thank you. Um, one, what is it? And two, what made you decide to do it? So I guess going back about maybe five, six, seven years, I had thought about maybe doing like a, a just kind of a traditional, just a regular big year in Connecticut one of these years. And I, I tried going back five or six years and said, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. I don't have a whole lot planned for the upcoming year. I'm probably going to be around locally. For those of us that aren't uh, um, up on Jack Black's uh, movies, that you know, what is a big year? Uh, Just so we know, we never. Jack- I don't think we've ever actually talked about big years. Jack Black was in a movie called The Big Year. It was a bad joke. I'm sorry. Uh, I won't make any more. Which of those. was <laughs> sort of a loose adaptation from a book. <laughs> Wait, Jack Black was the one in that movie? <laughs> and, and Steve, Steve Martin, Martin and, and Jack Owen Wilson. It was terrible. It wasn't about time. birding. Okay. It was. It yeah. was yeah. about birding. It was yeah. about, I yeah. mean, yeah. Everyone, yeah I've but. heard that there's this book, this movie about the big year and that, and that it was like a Hollywood film. Wow, I did I had not a know. Totally different idea about this movie. I did not know that that <laughs> cast was in it. I didn't this is figure so that weird. Jack Black would actually be in a pivotal movie. character well again but let alone a birding movie. all right all right i'm sorry it was actually an adaptation of a book i'm trying to figure out who the author was. <laughs> so mark of masic i just screwed up his, his name fine. you I? won't listen um wrote a book and i recommend reading the book before watching the movie um the book was really well done the movie was fine it's just a little slapsticky Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of made birders into even hokier people than than we really are. It was Jack Black's most serious role. <laughs> hey, you guys. <laughs> hey, our boiler Your works. boiler works. Yeah. The sound of our boiler coming on. I'm sure it didn't even pick up. Oh, the boiler. Okay, that might. So a big, <laughs> so a big so year a big is year? basically trying to find as many species of bird as you can within a calendar year. And you can do it uh, across any political boundary. Um, the movie slash book, The Big Year, is based on, you know, the ABA area, which is uh, the United States, lower 48 states, um, plus Canada and Alaska. Um, Wait, 
Isn't Hawaii in the ABA now? It is now. It was not then. Oh, damn it. Yep. Fucking Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but people do these things on the state level. They do them on the county level. Right. I mean, you can do a big year for your backyard if you want to. Um, so I, I just decided to do one uh, for the state and give it a shot. And uh, if you talk to anyone who does a big year, they will tell you that you have to chase everything yeah. that's like borderline uncommon or rarer than that. Um, because you can't just leave it to chance on finding them yourself. Finding them yourself takes a lot of time and effort. Yeah. Um, so it's easier to just, if, if Sean finds a Baird Sandpiper at Sandy Point, like, I'm just going to go down to Sandy Point and see Sean's Baird Sandpiper, and there you go. I'm d- done. That's on my list. <laughs> but you have to do that all year for a lot of species. Yeah. So I started out on January 1st of this year, about you know five, six years ago, and I, I didn't even make it two weeks. Like I was just so bored. I was miserable. Just ch- that's not why I bird. Just to chase what other people find. Like I, you know, you bird to go out and explore and f- and the excitement of finding things and and the joy of discovery and all that. And doing a big year like that just totally sapped most of that from me. So I stopped about two weeks in and said, forget it. If I ever do a big year in Connecticut. It will be like no chasing. Like there will be no chasing. Mm. I will. So. I will do like one little plug for birding with BQ on Instagram. He is doing a big year in Pennsylvania, and he does all these chases. But he like Instagram stories the whole chase, and it's pretty funny. Mm. And and uh, like being you know looking for a yellow rail at like two in the morning, <laughs> and it's just like. Like you just see like lights from their headlamps and yep. like you can't see anything, and like that's it was it's he's doing a really great job, but he's like dropping everything to do it. Yeah, and if you get a call or a text about a yeah. rare bird, you kind of have to just just go. go. <laughs> yeah, which is a little stressful if you have a career and other obligations. Yeah. He's a, he's like a teacher, so he had the summer off to do that. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now no. Yeah. No, I'm not anti-traditional big year. Whatever floats your boat. Right, just, no. Just for my style, it just no, yeah. didn't really work. No, no. Well, so, especially with for your career. It to make it, he's gramming it to make it interesting for yeah, himself, yeah, which is I, like, yeah. fuck. Yeah. Shit, I couldn't do that. I don't even know. See, it took me a few seconds to realize what gramming it was. <laughs> I'm so out of touch with social media. On the gram. Mm. He um he eats uh, Teddy Grahams. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Hmm. Toddler so much, so humor. Much for, so much for 26. <laughs> <laughs> Busted. Do they not make Teddy Grahams anymore? I don't know. Oh, man. That is like, like a total like early 90s. Yeah, that's pretty snack, fucking though. 90s. It'd be yeah. kind of sad if they didn't. Yeah. So then you decided this was the year. So yeah, you're torturing so, yourself. So things changed a little bit at work. Uh, my schedule is going to be really uh, difficult to plan travel around because we had a, a change in, in manpower and woman power at work. So responsibilities were going to change and it just a lot of uncertainty so i was like you know what i'm not going to be able to travel much i'm going to be stuck in this shitty state um i may as well <laughs> sorry connecticut <laughs> i may as well you know set a goal for myself um so i figured that if i was going to do a, a, a self-found big year you know this would be it so hmm. basically there are no self-found rules that are set in stone but the the yet but yet the the basic idea is you just can't chase other people's birds. You got to find your own. 
Mm. So I've sort of worked off that. And it's been a blast for the most part. So do you just like choose a location, choose like places to go and then just head like regardless or do you, you don't check bird lists you don't check ebird you don't check anything? well so i haven't really changed much in my habits i haven't gone out of my way to avoid a whole lot of information because mm. you know once you do hear about a bird it's off limits you, it's, you haven't mm. found it on your own um uh, but maybe i don't go on ebird and scour the sightings mm. maybe quite as heavily as i used to but i still get all the, the rare bird alerts and all that mm-hmm. Um, I haven't detached myself from the community or anything. So, but no, I've done it in a pretty nerdy way. I mean, it's just like spreadsheets of target species mapped out by month. Hmm. You know, you have certain species that pass through with a, in a very narrow migration window, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe one species is like the last week of August, first week of September. And then you got a couple more that are mid September and then a couple more that are early October. Hmm. So you kind of, prioritize your birding to sort of target those things and by county as well like location i haven't done i haven't broken it down by county i've just done a just a statewide thing it's Mm -hmm. nice connecticut's a small state so you can get around Mm -hmm. pretty quickly i think if i lived in a larger state like new york state i would have probably just limited to a county thing Uh, but we can get around pretty easily here minus the traffic it's been advantageous for the birding community too, though you fed some great birds. The uh, rail that was a yellow. When, when are we? When are we ever going to get a yellow rail like that? Yeah, you know, a chaseable like, yellow rail is yeah. the thing. It's tough, but yeah, no, I found a few good things. I feel like I'm in a little bit of a, a rut now. I haven't found anything super unusual in a while, but it's November. Uh, they come in bunches. Yeah, and I mean, you've worked through what probably eighty-five percent of what you're what's going to come through anyway at this point yeah, i mean numbers are pretty high for i'm at I'm, especially i'm so. at 269 i've been stuck at that number for a couple of weeks now um it's you know the later it gets in the year the harder it is to sort of add mm-hmm. species your options are you're oh, running out of options yeah. um but to, in perspective a 300 is a really good traditional chasing big year yeah in the state so mm-hmm. I kind of figured around 275 would be a good goal. I think I'm going to come pretty close to that. Hell yeah. Still got the owls. Still got Yeah, some... doing really badly with owls. That's <laughs> November. Get Still need sawwet and short-eared and long-eared and mm. snowy. I need sawwet for my life, so I'm just going to tag along. Yeah. Let you know Give if I run across sun. any. Mm. Last night was a total failure. Coke can yeah, co- Coke cans on a tree branch. That's mm. like all you're looking for, right? <laughs> yeah. you know, little little bastards. Mm. Fucking torturing yourself with this, though. It sounds brutal. You were up it's fun, at though. 2.30 in the morning looking for a sawed owl. This morning, yeah. Yeah, that's insane. Nothing. Not a peep. Mm. But it's fun. It's gotten me out to places I wouldn't have gone otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, you have any I fun run-ins in the, in the middle of the night looking for owls? Usually with just with cops. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I mean. So I can't remember who you asked this of, Sean. Um, it was like, it was pretty early in the in the in the season for us and you would ask somebody like what was their like craziest encounter like on the trail and then we somehow stopped asking that question but i think it's a good one because like it is you're isolated jesse in a lot of cases we asked jesse jesse okay yeah so i had a really interesting encounter during the day Mm. um at sandy point this summer it was that weekend in what was it early august that weekend that it was 100 degrees, yeah. even on the coast, for maybe three straight days. Yeah, I remember yeah. That. And it was brutal. Mm-hmm. And there was one afternoon, it was late afternoon, it was evening, and it was still in the 90s. And 
you know, I wanted to get out of the air conditioning and, and head down to the coast. So I was walking out Sandy Point and uh, scanning the dunes and uh, kind of picked up on this guy who was standing up uh, in the dunes completely naked. Oh, I... <laughs> Uh, actively masturbating. <laughs> yes. And I actually, I lingered on him a, like a, for a few seconds just to give him the benefit like, that I was okay. in the scope at this uh-huh. point. And just to give him the benefit of the doubt, like, is he just, is he have an itch? Uh-uh. <laughs> no, he's, he's not just itching himself. Oh, man. This is the subject uh, matter that we need more of on Foul Mouth's podcast. Was he naked? Completely like, naked. And so here's the thing. It was 100 degrees. I get the naked part. Yeah. It was really warm. I don't think anyone wanted to be wearing clothes. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, could Still, you, you're on a public could beach. You, like, you're sweat. Like, could you imagine the chafing? Yeah. Oof. Do you really... Do you want to be masturbating? It's brutal. Oh, I don't it's know. Like, it's, a, it's not even just a public beach. It's like a marked preserve. Yes. Right. It's, it's pretty heavily traveled by birds. Very at that heavily time of traveled. Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah ex- absolutely. Yeah. The... Maybe he has like a niche thing for mm-hmm. being seen by birders. He's really right. into black skimmers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's a there's a there's a bit of a I think a small nudist population there. I don't know. It's not the first naked guy I've seen out there mm-hmm. in the dunes. I've never seen a naked person at Sandy Point. Look I've seen harder. a man taking a shit. Uh, in the dunes at Sandy Point, but I've never seen a naked man there. So go there often enough, it'll happen. Oh man, yeah, it's, it's probably the third time Uncle I've seen Nick it. Nick sees it all. <laughs> I was gonna say, you heard it here first, cruisers. <laughs> Hit Sandy Point. So how long was he there for? Uh, I looked away, oh. kind of after I settled on well, what you he didn't was watch doing him to completion. Didn't really want to go back mm. to it. <laughs> that was it. I, I didn't. You didn't want to. Is it possible further. he was just vigorously applying suntan lotion? No. Can I rule it out? <laughs> <laughs> no? Mm? no. Oh my god! No. Yeah. I uh, just want to string this one out as long as possible. No, I think we're no. good. All right, it's possible, I guess. Mm. I doubt. I it. doubt it. Sunblock is a very sensitive part of the body. You've got it. You need maximal. Coverage. He did. A, he did a very thorough job of really <laughs> making sure that it was. He didn't just slap it on there. It was. Uh, <laughs> Thoroughly applied. <laughs> this is the best conversation Excellent. we've ever had. <laughs> we've never talked about masturbating on Foulmouth, so we're check that one off the fucking Ep- list. Episode Thanks, twelve. Nick. We made it this far. Heck. Oh man. So Self found um, big ears and masturbation. Yes, yeah, so we covered we covered um, masturbatory practices at Sandy Point. Yeah. Um, what's next on? Is that it? No, he does guiding. Talk to us about guiding. <laughs> I do a little bit of uh... <laughs> not guiding people through their sexual preferences, but uh, the bird, the what? kind of the birds, yeah. mostly with clothes on. Uh, Connecticut Audubon Society, which is, you know, not the local chapter of National; it's the independent mm-hmm. state organization. Yeah. They have an eco travel department, um, and they have you know seri- a bunch of volunteer guides that will lead trips, bird trips even general natural history trips. Um, so I, maybe like once a year, you know, I'll do a, I'll do a trip for a CAS. Um, again, they're a nonprofit. It's volunteer based, but it's, it's great for me. It's a free trip, essentially. Just have to babysit adults for a week or two. 
Mm. Yeah. A week? See some cool places. Or two? Mm. Yeah. We're wow. going to do, the next one is late February, Africa. Um, oh. Like Namibia, Botswana, and Zambia. It's casual. And that's two weeks. It's pretty casual. Yeah, it's going to be I was fun. thinking where you would take people in Connecticut, in Connecticut that, for two weeks. That's what I was thinking, <laughs> like in Connecticut. No, it's a right. legit travel. Yeah. yeah. Andy Griswold's been heading that up for over 20 years, maybe 30. That's maybe fucking I'm, tits. Yeah. It is. Wait, but do you have to like have experience birding in Africa to do that? <laughs> Heather's or? volunteering herself to guide a trip <laughs> to Africa. So Theoretically, it's helpful. Um, I have never set foot on African soil. Um, you we're in tandem with local guides, mm-hmm. so there are local experts. And honestly, once you've learned bird life on other continents, making the transition to a new one, each each successive continent is is just easier. Um, so, you know, I'm already prepping. I've been prepping for Africa, and it's not till late February. Mm-hmm. Did you so, make like flashcards for yourself? No, I haven't gotten there yet. Actually, eBird has this kind of cool little tool where you can take quizzes. Where it's oh. like they take photos from their checklists, and it's like twenty birds at a time. Oh wow! And it's multiple choice, um, but it kind of can get your mind in the right place for right. thumbing through the field guide. I find it a, a good tool to. These fuckers at Cornell really know what they're doing. They're really into birds, except up there. for <laughs> identifying ivory-billed woodpeckers. Right. Yeah. We'll get to that later. Okay. Don't jump the gun Sorry. on us. Jeez. Oh How many continents have you birded on? Uh. Africa will be six. Okay. How many continents are there? Seven. Seven. So which one are you missing? Antarctica. Antarctica. That would have I been. I thought you would have said Australia. Honestly. I did a semester in Australia. Never mind. Mm. Wouldn't have known that. But uh, and, uh, so when are we going to get to Antarctica? That was. Uh, I was initially scheduled to lead an Antarctica tour, oh. mm. um, but it's really hard to sell. It's just super expensive. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So they switched me over to Africa. Instead. And there's no guarantee that you're going to land on Antarctica either. It, you have to... Weather-based. Yeah, right. very, very weather-based, right? So you might spend the rest, the, most of the trip in like the, like in Argentina or something like that, well, staged up. Or... No, you'll just be on the boat Oof, off Argentina. Terrible. I'd rather just be in Argentina. I don't know, just man. There's some land. really cool seabirds and stuff to see, even from the boat. Hmm. <laughs> sounds, sounds like cold. No. Albatrosses? Okay. Mm. Up with your albatross. Yeah, I would love to see some wandering or I don't even know what's down there, mm-hmm. honestly. Wandering would be nice. So the albatross. Mm. Um where did you bird in Asia? Uh Japan in yeah. February I want to say two winters ago mm. with uh Julian Hoff and Dave Preventure who were uh, Connecticut, current Connecticut residents and friends of mine. Speaking of zone-tailed hawks. Yeah, right. <laughs> Where'd you go <laughs> in Japan? About that. Um, we did um, Honshu, uh, Kyushu, and Hokkaido. Oh, wow. Mm. Um, so we did some puddle jumping. Yeah. Island how's, to uh, island. How's winter birding in Japan? Um, amazing. The, the quantity of birds isn't very high. I forget what our trip total was. Again, I'm not despite the fact that I'm doing a, a big year this year, I'm not a big numbers lister person, but I want to say that we probably had about 180 species. Wow. Two weeks, which, you know, you can go to Ecuador and probably triple that, right? Mm. Um, but the quality was just stunning, like stellar sea eagles mm. and a handful of species of cranes. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Just mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. And we did see a few albatrosses as well on a ferry crossing, which is awesome. Wow. Oh, cool. cool. Uh, just an, an amazing place to go birding. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, what else have I done in Asia? 
uh, China for two weeks. Oh, cool. Yeah, mostly mostly in Sichuan, um, but also a couple of days of burning the coast um, out of Shang- outside Shanghai. Wow. That's epic. Yeah. I, I wouldn't think of China for a burning destination, but I, I suppose that anywhere I've never been is a pretty good burning <laughs> destination. It's one well, of those so. big countries where you're going to find places that are, yeah. you know. You're, it's, it's fucking huge. The so. cities are pretty, you know, they sprawl out and uh, they're tough to burn, I'm sure, but. Once you get out into the mountains, and we did like a t- we were like Tibetan plateau. We were that far west and foothills Whoa. of the Himalayas, and that's pretty rad, seeing yeah. just amazing places. Mm. Never mind birds. Yeah, mm. yeah. And Japan is like it's like really compact. Right. Yeah. You get like everything all in one little strip, which makes it really easy. Easy to bird for foreigners uh, mm. because the infrastructure is so great. Yeah. So flying from island to island is super easy. Renting a car is fine. Getting around. There's a bit of a language barrier, but we made it work. Plus, it's like very birder friendly mm-hmm. because it's such a popular um, hobby over there. On yeah. top. And like every time we are in this one area of um, Takao, um, there, there's at least like a whole bunch of birder uh, group, um, not birder groups, the photography groups. That's what I did. You notice that too? That it's more the photography mm-hmm. end of things mm-hmm. than the oh, actual. Yeah. You just yeah. see it, yeah. There's, how many how many times have you been? Uh, me six, oh. but I haven't gone to all the islands that you have. Mm-hmm. Like I usually stick um, on the main main one. I haven't been to Hokkaido. It's you know what it is. It's like I just want to like I want to be there, and I don't want to spend any time traveling. Yeah, mm. you know we go on this the bullet train, yeah. and that's. Like that's it, but eventually we have to yeah. <laughs> branch out. If anybody wants to send me to Japan, I'm the only one here that's never been, so I would All gladly right. go um, see a stellar sea eagle. Yeah, we're gonna have to crowdfund this one, Sean. Thank you. Send me to Japan. Send Sean to Japan, please. Or I mean, please. honestly, I'd rather go to Colombia or somewhere like that. Just like, to be well, honest, with that kind but... of attitude, <laughs> you're yeah. not going to. You're Japan. not invited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just so many better birds. Bjork Sorry, is back. I'm saying it out loud. No, Bjork, have you, come, have you come to finish the job that you started earlier? Don't bite people. Damn cat. How's your bite hand? People. You're dying. Bandage. Still no blood. Cat scratch Swollen. fever. Um, Still, there was no puncturing. Do you have um, what are target birds for Africa? Shoebill, things like that? We're not in shoebill country. Oh, why are you even going then? I oh, know. Is it even worth it? <laughs> you want to? You want to? Can you replace me? I would love to. Let's do this. Thanks, oh, Andy. Oh <laughs> boy, um, targets and I don't know. We're probably going to see several. We're going to see several hundred birds. Yeah, Jesus. Um, it's kind of hard to pin down exactly what. There's pels, fishing owl. That's going to be a big one. Yeah. Um, we're going to be around the um, Okavango Delta, so we're going to see some really awesome mammals. Megafauna. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Uh, megafauna. Megafauna. Yeah. Yep. Dot com. Big old fuckers. I like that. Turacos or Turacos. I don't know how exactly you're the right yes, way to pronounce that. You just did great. I feel like I would, if it, if I'm like a birder, but if I were in Africa, I'd be way more excited about the mammals. I think most people are. Yeah. I, I'm probably going to be more jazzed for the mammals myself. It's yeah. hard. Like, it's, it's hard, hard not to be. Yeah. Like these just... are things that you've either seen in zoos or it's just crazy to see them like wild. Yeah. Mm. I 
I would be. I bet you, if we pulled the participants on the tour, that that would be one of that probably their top top goal as well. And it's it's going to be a great trip because it's going to be very focused on birds as well. So if you're like if you're into both, it's going to be kind of the the right trip for you. Yeah. I think a lot of those safari <laughs> trips that are just mammal based. I, I don't think that they really delve into, they miss a lot of the bird stuff. Right. Yeah. Because those are like an afterthought. Right. Those are like picking the teeth of the hippo right. or yeah. whatever. It's like, let's show everyone the mammals they want to see and then kind of take it from there. What about, um, are those uh, vampire finches or what? Is that what they're called? A vampire finch? Those I, I do not know. I haven't gotten to the in finches Africa? in the field guide yet, Sean. I believe, oh man, well. There are some blood-sucking finches out there, and I think they're in Africa, but I could be wrong because I've never been there, so I don't know. I never had a reason to read through an African field guide, to be honest. So, um, hmm. I mean, that sounds fucking rad. What? I, so, in, when you're guiding, you're uh, an adult babysitter. Yeah. In a lot of ways, you've yes. got to tell people when to pee. That's the best. Like that's that. the funniest part. Yeah, it's it's really funny that when like fully functional adults pay for a trip and they're being guided around. They go into kid mode yeah, mm-hmm. and they just sort of put common sense and logic aside. <laughs> and Most just, Americans do when they travel. They need to be told out. everything. <laughs> Mr. You know, Bonomo. <laughs> it's almost like it's like their vacation from being an adult. Yeah. Like I didn't plan this trip. I didn't have to. This person's going to take me around and just tell me what to do and what I'm looking at. And I sort of get that mentality but when it comes down to reminding people when they have to use the bathroom, well, you know. I told you to go before we left. Yeah. I went on a group trip. Turn I did a bike hike, <laughs> a kayak trip to Vietnam. <clears throat> and there was these two fucking farmers from Alberta, Canada, that their wives dragged them. Were they not pig farmers? They, one was a pig farmer, one was a chicken farmer. I, as a vegetarian, it's always we, had, we had words. We did definitely had words at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, their wives are the ones that usually travel, and then this was like their first time off the farm. Like, I, I shit you not. Like, they're like, finally got people. To, and one of them pulled the tail of a water buffalo i was just like oh yeah look at this guy oh he's a big guy and like pulled it i'm like what the fuck they were like we went to like an open market and they were just like fucking with the animals left and right i was just like leave it to the pig farmers. they said the most racist stuff just like oh my and these are can these are canadians yeah i was like you guys are supposed to be polite they're supposed to be better than us yeah. and they're like well we have health care and you don't. Mm. So who's more woke or, you know, they didn't say woke because that wasn't a word back then, meaning that. But it was just, they. that's one of the times we had words because I was just like, what are you doing? You're Canadian. Wow. Well, listen up, Canada. We know we're big up there and we know you're listening. Yes, yeah. And we love you. And we do expect better of you. Better of you than we expect of ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) I can't badmouth Canada because if I ever have to leave here, I, know. That's where I, I need a place to go. <laughs> I know. Nearest, I'm not bad. I don't want to burn Canada. any bridges. Don't right, get me wrong. Countries that share a border that uh, English is the native language. Uh, don't okay. get me wrong. One not option, not bashing Canada, bashing <clears throat> these two farmers Were from, they from Alberta. Alberta, yeah. Alberta, yeah. I don't Which, know if we're that's big like in the Texas of Canada. So 
Mm. I gotta say, I know some lovely people from Alberta. Oh. So it's not, it's not all of them. What's the the other people it's in the group. It's a large province, isn't it? I was gonna say, yeah, Their I, wives I were the adorable. Their fr- they had a friend there that was, that also came. He was great. It was just these two fuckers were just complete assholes. And I'm just like, I can't believe, you're adult. like, they were like in their late 40s, early 50s. I'm like, ah. So just, I can't imagine. You just cut that travel, that travel. Being, being the head. I'm not, I'm sure no one's children. pulled the tail of a water buffalo or anything like that on one of your trips, but. Have they? No. <laughs> We've not seen any water buffalo yet. So. Oh, well. <laughs> Where are you time. gone? Nope. Uh, I'm going to correct myself and say vampire finches are in the Galapagos, nowhere near Africa. <laughs> Whoops. But there are ox peckers. <laughs> Maybe you'll see an ox pecker. Well, he's already seen blood. one pecker. Oh, 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 God. Someone had to Sing. say it. Someone had to say it. We've reached new lows. Sean, Sean just wants you to see a bird eating something. I just want you to see. <laughs> At what point during this did you start to regret having me here? Oh, no. I, Immediately. As soon as, you, as soon as you mentioned the guy masturbating on the beach, I was like, this is going to be a recurring guest. <laughs> just nailed your own well, we do expect you that you come back that. with uh we, we you always have to come back with weird sexual uh stories from the field so yeah. that's the you gotta start fucking planning for that so your africa trip now you do have a goal right when you come back you from africa something we want to know something weird okay just keep it in mind i'm up for the challenge keep it in mind right. please um, for our listeners sakes so what Sex? so what? tell me about your blog Blog. We haven't plugged it. Yeah. Uh, Is that about sex? The blog. It's not oh. yet. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, it's called Shorebirder. Uh, it's www.shorebirder.com. I think you need to throw the W's in there. W, W, W. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Shorebirder.com. I knew that was going somewhere yeah. eventually. Oh, my God. Full circle. Um, yeah, I've been doing it. I think I started it in 2008 or so. And it's just a kind of a running journal of bird stuff, mostly now. It's on Blogger. I mean, that is yeah. Mm. Oh, that does that go back or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised they're still running it. I, all yeah, I you're was... the only one doing it. I am. <laughs> I'm keep, too... They're keeping it running for you. <laughs> if I knew anything about <laughs> about like IT stuff, I would switch it over to something a little more modern. I oh, guess. Goodness. But... All right. Well, Tumblr. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk to us. We'll. Yeah. We'll hook you up. Um, but anyway, it serves its purpose. Uh, I don't, you know, I just like sort of an informal place where I can field you know, notes, basically. Yeah, exactly. It's like That's all it is. Notes. It's just kind of like my birding experiences with some photos. That's kind of what it's morphed into. I used to do a little bit more with weather analysis and migration timing, and a little more, a slightly nerdier stuff um, with birding. But I think it's more become just like a illustrated bird journal at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I like about it. I mean, yeah, when I, you know, I was looking at through it, I was like, I like that this isn't, doesn't take it too seriously because that happens a lot in the burning community. Yeah, I go, I definitely go back and forth. There are some posts where I'm a little goofier than some posts where it's very dry, but it's kind of whatever mood I'm in. But yeah, aren't, don't you think that birders take themselves way too seriously? Oh sometimes? yeah, Fucking that's absolutely. why we have oh, this podcast. So, this is why, though. <laughs> right? This is yeah no this is why I oh it's the truth podcast. I think like birders as a rule like when you get them talking about birds themselves then the fucking serious face comes out mm. 
and I just don't have, uh, I just don't, I don't know if I have time for that. And I don't, I don't enjoy it. I just like, I want, I want people to fucking loosen up sometimes and like make a joke when they miss seeing a bird or something yeah. like that. And people don't like that. People are, oh man, the, some of the egos. Yeah. Are mm. and it's just like you know what you're not saving the world here by identifying this bird versus yeah. this other bird. Like you're uh, not saving the world. But you know it is what it is. People take it really seriously. And yeah, I, just, I don't understand. That was my first introduction to it. I mean, like it's when like, I when I was out in the field it was just people that were just really snippy. Yeah, which would could be really off putting. I would assume. Yeah, um, yeah, um, it was off putting, and and so like when we when Sean approached us about doing this podcast i was like what a great opportunity to uh to to change things up make it fun for people who maybe um are interested but but don't feel like they can break into it for sure yeah and i sean had mentioned uh that you know, you guys might be taking a hiatus for a little while, and I was mm. just kind of bummed to hear that because it's kind of a breath of fresh air into the birding podcast world, hey, to be honest. We have lives <laughs> that I are know. really fucking no. hard to manage sometimes. I hear you. Fucking babies, man. Oh, my God. I'm just saying there's a demand for this, so keep it up we if you are, can. Oh, thank we're you. We're trying a, so we're hard. They're, they're, we're, I was surprised when people were, like, um, actually messaging us about it being too long and where are you, you know, so... Yeah, uh. it was nice to actually. It was nice to hear people like uh, talk about it, like asking, like, "What the fuck are you guys doing?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're living. We're actually living our lives <laughs> a little too fully at the moment, or dying. But if you whichever, really miss <laughs> us, you want, yeah. a good way to get us back is to write some reviews on iTunes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have to do wow. that myself. <laughs> that was beautiful. That was, that was really nice, Heather. Nice segue. Look at you. I we really need these reviews. It really helps. It does help us a lot. Yeah. Because when they look through the long list of birding podcasts, mm. they have to see what one that has good reviews. Yeah. But somehow, oh. Bird Note is on top. Uh, as far as birding podcasts that's go, that's not really that a podcast. That shit's five minutes long. Yeah. Get a fucking attention span, people. God damn it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All the other ones, though, that I've heard have been really kind of dry and kind of really mm. formal. So this, I think there's, I think this could be a thing. I think that comes with knowing things about birds, <laughs> um, which is why we keep it light. Oh uh, and why we have experts on the show. Try <clears throat> experts. Um, yeah. Can you before before we Wrap before up. we do anything else? Can you just talk about goals for a minute and and sure. IDing goals? I am I want to know. I just I like I stand and stare at fucking piles of goals in the winter on jetties, <laughs> and they all look the fucking same. Everything is a great black back goal in my mind. I just it does. They all it doesn't matter how small it is. Fucking Iceland doesn't matter. What are you? What color are you? I don't know. You're a fucking <laughs> white, goal. gray. Yeah, you beak, stole my goddamn French fries. French fries. Yeah, so how, how how do you pick through a fucking pile of gulls in the winter? How do you make how do you make that work? Tylenol? Tylenol <laughs> for the headaches that will undoubtedly ensue. Uh, alcohol doesn't hurt either. <laughs> okay. Masochist. Don't take the two together, it'll hurt your liver. Uh, there. Um I gulls was like the last group of birds that I got interested in, honestly. I think it's a re- I think it's a tough group to break into. Um there aren't a whole lot of species that are around most of the year. Um, I guess they're not aesthetically pleasing to most people. 
Um, and they're, yeah, and they're kind of like a lot of the immature plumages are really brown and blotchy. And I think people think that they're kind of ugly. Um, they sort of have a yeah, you know, like negative yeah. connotation goes along with, with gull or seagull. seagull. Um, I think the, the <laughs> appeal is that they are really challenging to identify, actually. And there are, if you dig deeper and you start to study them, that there are more species that you can find in the flocks of the common ones. Um, they some rare run rare ones show up every now and then, yeah. which is kind of fun and exciting. It's always, you know, when you have the possibility of finding something new and exciting, then that kind of will motivate you to look look at the flocks a bit more. Mm. Um, but you know, like anything, it just take it takes more practice than most other kinds of birds. Yeah. Mm. So I say keep keep looking at them. Um, uh, and quick, go ahead. Sorry, uh, quick noob gull question. Um, so do gulls move around like other birds, or they migrate? Yeah, uh, some of them quite far. Okay. Um, we have some some low Arctic and some high Arctic breeding gulls that will come south for the winter. Um, birds that breed as far up as you know Greenland or even Iceland, Western Europe will come on over. Okay. Um, so the gulls that steal my fries in winter may be different than the ones that steal my fries <laughs> in spring. Correct. Yep. You got uh, it. I've learned something about gulls this is, day. That's great. I that's what I'm that's what I'm shooting for here. Yeah. Just winter fry gulls and summer fry gulls. It's the the way to to answer your question maybe a bit, bit better, Sean. The way to kind of I think start to get into looking through those gulf flocks is to know that in the do it in the winter time first of all, okay. because diversity is going to be higher, so yeah. you're going to have a couple other species to to learn and compare to. But you know that lesser black-backed gull, Iceland gull, and Glaucus gull are th probably the three most likely scarce different species to show up with the flocks of herring gulls and okay. great blackbacks. So just learn the basic field marks of those few, and look for them amongst the herring gull flocks. Oh, okay. And once you've looked at enough herring gulls, and there are plenty of them uh that when you see something different it'll start to pop out okay you just have to look at them often enough and yeah the different ones will start to reveal themselves so it's like so in the winter that's what you're saying in the fall and summer fall it's more like bonapartes and uh laughing and with the occasional blackheaded or something yeah like which that, are great which... which are fine a lot of people actually prefer the small gulls they're kind of cuter more agile they have more personality right. they're not the fry stealers no they're not um but they have some dignity they do they really do <laughs> uh, they flock up they kind of fly around in flocks like turns they're very graceful in flight the smaller ones so mm. they but we don't have a lot of those in connecticut we get them for about a month in yeah. the spring if we're lucky and then so it's mostly kind of beach loafing gulls yeah um in which case winter is probably the best time okay. west haven residents west <laughs> jesus <laughs> Damn! I'm not going. Ma there. Masturbating beach loafing gulls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come to Connecticut. <laughs> Go birding. It's awesome. <laughs> I, I hope that somebody somewhere, like the only thing they know about Connecticut is what they hear on this podcast. Oh, I hope so. You're like brilliant. they have really good birds in the spring, and just some sick fucking wackos. Warblers in the spring. Fucking amazing. <laughs> Oh my god. Um so thank you for dealing with us. We always ask this mm -hmm. like one last question. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to stop asking the question. I Ooh, We we just uh recently uh inspired some art 
because of this question. Really? Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. No way. Yeah, someone on t- Twitter made a. I think a his name's Keegan. I want to believe. If it's not. Ooh, I like the X Files. Yeah, That's it was awesome. well done. It was oh, really you have well to send done. Me this. Really well I will. done. Um, it was. I was shocked. <laughs> Heather had tears in her eyes. Yep. I had to explain to a bunch of people the reference because mm-hmm. the oh people my. I showed were too young to understand what the fuck the X Files were. Oh, but boy. man, the truth is out there. So. That was definitely one of um, my favorite shows growing up. Oh my god. I want to fucking believe. I do believe. But do you believe in the Ivory Build Woodpecker? Uh, I want to, but I don't. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. I don't even think this would be a question if Cornell didn't fuck it up from the beginning. Oh. Honestly, with their quote unquote rediscovery of the ivory billed woodpecker that mm-hmm. ended up being, you know, not being, which is kind of a bummer sort of a black eye for science. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, good. Cornell does a million great things, so yeah. don't want to take them down too hard, but they really screwed yeah, the pooch on that one. That one mm-hmm. up, guys. Thanks. Yeah. But, uh, you know, af- as a result of that, quote unquote rediscovery lots of people have been out looking and still nothing has been documented so i think mm. hopes are pretty low or so i'm gonna go with no they're hiding it if they, if something's been found if there's any evidence ain't nobody talking about it what would be the the motivation for hiding it this is on the uh, jason ward episode i believe um i th- i mean part i think maybe like if there's been good evidence like Maybe not like a blurry photo, but like physical evidence. Then, hmm. you know, if the same reason they're hiding, like the, the locations of like the big old cypress trees in those same swamps and stuff mm-hmm. for conservation reasons to so, so people words, don't yeah. go in there and fucking right. Poach if you out saw it, would you like tell people the location of this bird? Oh, that's a good question. I would have to. I think I would tell someone, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I would go. They would tell people. Tell I would go straight to whoever <laughs> I thought would best be able to conserve that land if it wasn't already protected. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, that's the goal. And I guess the silver lining of Cornell's screw up is that there was land protection that was uh, awarded after that. Mm. You know, so I guess before there, you know. Now we have some valuable land down there that's safe and it wasn't <laughs> <For> before. <now. laughs> that maybe also, not maybe it's not as valuable as we thought it was. Still doesn't have ivory super valuable. Yeah, yeah, probably not. Mm. Probably not. So, but all right, so the last part of that question is uh regardless, w- will you get in a canoe with Sean and, and canoe through the swamps? That sounds like a ton of fun. It's great. That's all I mean. So there's all right. gonna, if there are ivory bills, there're going to be some other cool birds that We might need, need a two. bigger canoe. Yeah, I think we point. need two canoes now. All right. A two canoe. <laughs> this is a two canoe expedition. Cool. I love it. Well, I still want to believe. Nick Bonomo wants to believe. I don't know if Scott and Heather are coming on the trip or not. Um, mosquitoes. <laughs> I knew it was. I worry about I worry about James being like a bite sized morsel for the uh the gators down there. Your so. son could be the one. Yeah. He is the one. That finds the, the ivory belt woodpecker for me. Just like points up in a tree, <laughs> yeah. and says it in a creepy two-year-old voice. <laughs> um, he does say tap 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 whenever we get to the woodpecker, woodpecker page. Part, yeah. Oh my god! Have you taught him yet? Um, let's go Mets. <laughs> you know, we were just singing Never. the uh, we were just singing the Fly Eagles Fly song, the fight song. Um, this morning. This morning, on the way to school. Sad. Mm. 
Feels so good. Uh, Sunday was a good was a good day for me. Eagles won, Ravens won, both bird teams. And yet, just happened. I'm just saying. I didn't ask for this. Definitely not Mets fandom is going to happen in this house. Brutal. You know, that it's, is gross. it's better for James that way. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty rough existence. Well, so uh, I guess he may as well go. So you wish a, that on anybody. I really would. So, so is being a Phillies fan at the moment. I wouldn't wish being a Phillies fan. I just I was sort of born into it, you know. You just have to roll with it. You play the cards you're dealt. We could all play for the Nationals and hug hug Donald Trump. Oh, so man. Ew. except for Sean Doolittle, he said no. There's that. Oh, His really? conscience wouldn't let him go. That wow. guy just bumped up a a peg in my book. Awesome. Yeah, for him. Um, Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks so much for having this me. Is this great. was a lot yeah. of fun. This is a real pleasure. Well, if you've made it this far, you must be a total sicko, and we love you for that. If you want to learn more about Nick and his <clears throat> interesting adventures birding in the field, be sure to check out his blog, www.shorebirder.com. If you want to hang out with him in Africa, you can check out C.T. Audubon's Evo travel offerings at ctaudubon.org. Be sure to keep up with us at foulmouthspodcast.com, on Instagram at foulmouthspodcast, uh, Twitter at Foulmouths Show, or just email us at info at foulmouthspodcast.com. And please, for the love of God, leave us a fucking review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>